Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. So welcome back to Riverside Online. Um, Today we start a new series on faith. Over the next six weeks we're going to be exploring this topic of faith together. If you stop someone in the street and ask them what was meant by faith, uh, you'd probably get a whole variety of different opinions. I think some people think that faith is something that people can have or they can't. It's a bit like the ability to curl your tongue. Some people can do it and some people can't do it. And that's just the way faith is. Some people can get it and some people can't get it. And that's just the way you're may, you're either a person of faith or you're not a person of faith. Some people, I think, well, I think for me, I, I fit into that category. I was someone I thought, actually, faith was not for me. I, I sort of understood a little bit about faith and I knew people of faith, but I thought I was just not a faith person. But actually, that changed dramatically for me later on. Maybe somebody would say faith is something that you try. You kind of dip your toe in, you experience it, you see whether you like it, you see whether it fits And if it does, you keep it. And if it doesn't, you sort of say, well, actually, it's not for me. You discard it and move on. Others might say that faith is just for those of a religious disposition. They've been raised in maybe a faith household. Maybe their parents or their guardian had faith. And they've sort of piggybacked as they've grown on the faith of those people. Others might say that faith is when you're having an existential crisis. You're really struggling with the meaning of life or your value in life. And you turn to faith as sort of a placebo to make you feel better about yourself. In that sense, some people feel that faith is just really a mental construct, something that we add to our lives to make us feel like life has meaning or or greater value. And others might even say that faith is something that's used to manipulate or control, and they might see faith as a very destructive influence in the lives of people. And perhaps as you think about faith today, as you watch this, you might think that your view of faith fits into one of those definitions I've mentioned. Or maybe, for you, faith has a different meaning at this time. What's interesting is none of those definitions of faith I've mentioned actually applied to the first Christian believers back in the first century. For them, faith was based on something completely different. For them, faith started with a fact. And let's explore that today by looking at the book of Hebrews. If you have a Bible handy, you can turn to the book of Hebrews. It's towards the back of your Bible. But if, don't worry if you don't have that. We're going to put the words on the screen so we can read together. No one's quite sure who wrote this letter. It was addressed to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. Uh, some people think the Apostle Paul wrote it. Other people are not so sure. But what's clear from this book, it's a lengthy sermon, really, uh, to, to encourage believers in Christ to encourage and the person who wrote this clearly had a pastoral heart and wanted to encourage people in their walk with Jesus. And as we look at the book of Hebrews the first 10 chapters of this letter really just explore the person of Jesus particularly his life and death and resurrection. At the end of chapter 10 it's like the book is a big door about to swing on a hinge and this hinge begins at the end of chapter 10. Let's look from the verses 35 onwards. It says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming 
will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And so the first part of this letter has been all about what Jesus has accomplished in the past. But now at this point on this hinge, the writer swings to what Jesus will do in the future. He says, he who is coming will come. And he's referring to the future return of Jesus. When Jesus left and ascended into heaven, whatever that might be, we don't fully know that, that space where Jesus is no longer with us physically. But he said, I will return. I will come back in the way that I went. I will return. And he said, when I come back, I'll renew all things. I'll put all things straight, all things right. And this is the hinge point of the letter to the Hebrews. If Jesus is coming back, how are we to live in the in-between time? The writer of, the, of uh, Hebrews quotes the ancient Hebrew prophet Habakkuk and he says, my righteous one will live by faith. And so he's encouraging these Hebrew listeners to say a life that lives between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus is hallmarked by something called faith. And you could say to me today, you could say, well, isn't putting my trust in Jesus initially an act of faith? And I could say, yes, it is. When you give your yes initially to Jesus, as I did many years ago, and many of the people watching today will have done, that was an initial act of faith, a step of faith, to say they believed in the person of Jesus and they were willing to trust him and begin to journey with him. But here in Hebrews, we see that faith actually starts just with that yes and then moves into something we call living by faith. What does living by faith look like? Well, for a first century believer, faith wasn't some abstract idea or construct that they sort of mustered up from within to make them feel better about themselves. For them, faith started with a fact. The Apostle Paul When he wrote to the church in Corinth, he said this. He said, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born." And we can notice when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to encourage them, he doesn't point to something within himself that he mustered up as a religious idea or concept. He points to the facts of Jesus' death and resurrection. He says Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. And Paul then speaks to the hundreds of people who saw Jesus' resurrection happen. They were eyewitnesses to this account. He highlights Cephas, the 12, the 12 apostles, 500 brothers and sisters, James, all the apostles, and then finally he says, and also to me, Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to me. And the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection 
can be attested to by all these eyewitness accounts. And Paul says most of these people are still alive. You can go and speak to them, they're still alive. They will tell you what they saw. He says you can test the fact of Jesus' resurrection because there's people around who were there when it happened. And so Paul's faith was not based on a religious construct or an idea. It was rooted in a historical person and historical fact. And the Jesus whose good news he was passing on was a very real person to him. And not only did he know people that had met the risen Jesus, he'd also said you can go and speak to them about their experience. And we often forget that early Christians, their beliefs were rooted in a fact. That's where their faith began, in a factual happening of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Christian faith isn't just a well-meaning idea or or a set of values that we, we should live by. It starts always with the facts of Jesus. This is the starting point of a life of faith. This is the gospel, Paul says, on which we take our stand. This is the place where we begin our journey from. And Paul says, unless we hold on to this fact with our faith, then we believe in vain. We lose the anchor from which our faith begins. And so when we give our yes to Jesus, we begin this journey of faith, this living by faith. And we launch out from one truth, heading towards another future truth. A point when we believe that Jesus will return again. Jesus died on a cross and rose. And this is a past truth. And one day Jesus will return again. And this is the future truth. And the writer of the book of Hebrews is encouraging us to reach out from the anchor point of the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection into the future truth of Jesus' return. And so how we respond to the facts of Jesus' death and resurrection is the hinge point of this letter to the Hebrews. How do you and I respond to the fact that Jesus died on a Roman cross, was buried for three days, and yet rose again? It says this at the beginning of the next chapter in in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11. Now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It says this in Hebrews 11 verse 1. And there's two Greek words that have been translated there in this letter that we see as the words confidence and assurance in the NIV version. And the first word is a, is a strange word called hypostasis. It's the NIV translates this as confidence. And the second one's even more of a tongue twister, elenkos, which is translated assurance. As we said before, any Bible translation is a compromise. And that's why it's always helpful to read different versions, different translations, as you look at your Bibles. If we look at the New King James Version translation, they seem to have captured the essence of these words a little bit better. They say this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can you see the difference between these two translations? The NIV seems very mindset-based, using words like confidence and assurance. The the New King James Version takes on much more of a weight when it says substance and evidence. There's more of a tangible feel here about the way that faith is being described. I think what the writer is trying to 
encourage us into here is that as we, as we live by faith, as we experience faith, it takes on a substance, it takes on a tangibility as we start putting faith into action in our lives. And this moves faith far beyond just a mental affirmation or our first yes to Jesus. It moves it into a much more substantial thing that we live out and experience as we walk with Jesus. So Christian faith begins by us engaging our minds, but it doesn't end there. It carries on as we learn to walk out in faith. And it takes us into radical choices, radical commitment and radical action. I love the first signs of spring, don't you? I love it when we've sort of gone through the winter and the cold period and the dark period and we've gone through Christmas and we have a sense that spring is over the horizon. One of the first flowers that might appear in your garden uh, as spring is coming is the snowdrop. It's one of the first flowers. I call the snowdrop sometimes because they emerge through the snow that's still lying on the ground. And we've got snowdrops in our garden. And when I see the snowdrop starting to poke through the cold, hard ground, I know that spring is just around the corner. I know that winter is coming to an end and the warmth and the the new life of spring is about to emerge. And the little snowdrops are a sign of what is to come. And it doesn't matter if it's still freezing cold and still wet and windy and dark, those snowdrops are pointing to a promise. They're pointing to something that's going to happen in the near future. And when you read about the lives of early Christians, particularly first century, second century Christians, the choices they made and the lives they lived uh, were radical. And these choices and sacrifices that often led them into persecution and hardship, uh, imprisonment, sometimes even death, none of these choices that they made would make any sense unless they had a belief that something was coming, something was changing. They were living for a different future. They had a belief in a different future. If you like, they'd seen a snowdrop that spoke of the fact that winter was coming to an end and that spring was coming. And what is that snowdrop? Well, for them, the snowdrop was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the sign and the signal that a new day was coming, a new future was being ushered in. They'd seen Jesus die on a Roman cross, this horrible instrument of torture and death. They'd seen him buried in a tomb for three days. And then they'd seen the risen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who spoke of a new life and a new kingdom. They lived in light of this snowdrop event, this fact that they held on to as a foundation for their faith. And as they began to walk in light of that, it gave their faith more substance more evidence, more tangibility. And as they applied God's promises to their life, then faith took on this new weight, this new reality. And this is the hinge point that we've been talking about today. If Jesus really did die and rise again, how do we respond to this hinge point in history? How do you and I respond to that fact? Are we going to live by faith or are we going to shrink back? as the writer of Hebrews has mentioned. We often think about faith as something that we, ha- we need when there's no evidence. Uh, we talk about a leap of faith, a leap into the unknown. But actually, when we look at the Bible, we see actually faith is based upon evidence and substance. The writer says, faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things 
unseen. And the reason we can trust in a different future is because we've seen the snowdrop of Jesus. We've seen the snowdrop of his death and resurrection, the sign that spring is coming. I don't follow Jesus because I can muster up some good feeling from within about the future or hold on to and maintain a religious construct in my thinking. I follow Jesus because I too have snowdrop events in my life that I can point to and I can remember. Moments when I acted in faith. Moments maybe when I did something that didn't seem the the, the normal thing to do. But I stepped into something in faith and as I stepped into it, then it took on substance and it took on tangibility. I experienced something of the future kingdom as I stepped out in faith. I experienced a touch of the fullness of spring that is coming and is promised in Jesus. And every time I've done that in my life, it's a little bit like putting a, a fixing point into a rock face. When rock climbers go climbing, that every few feet they'll fix a rock fixing into the, into the surface of the rock they climb and they'll hook their rope onto it. So if they fall, they only fall a short distance. They're anchored onto the rock face as they climb. And a life of faith is full of moments like this. Every time we step into a life of faith, it's like we put a little bit of a fixing into the rock and it gives us more substance and more anchoring into that promised future that Jesus said would come. You and I don't have the advantage of living historically close to a risen Jesus. We can't go and speak to eyewitnesses who saw his resurrection. So, to live by faith for us is more of a leap, more of a stretch. But it's not a blind leap. It's not a leap without evidence. A life of faith for you and I means that we've decided that this world is going somewhere in God. It's not just something that is unravelling in chaos and disorder. We believe that the future is held in God and this world is going towards that future and we believe that when Jesus returns he will set all things right he will renew all things as he promised if we believe that it makes every sense to act in the present as if that was the future if we believe that it changes everything it changes everything about the way we do life the way we the way we relate, the way we make choices, the way we steward the things in our hands. It changes everything about the way we live our day-to-day lives. Living by faith will cause us to do things that don't make a lot of sense unless God really is coming back in the form of Jesus Christ. People will look on and say, why are you choosing to live that way? Why are you choosing that particular course of action? That doesn't make any sense unless... We believe that Jesus is coming back and that spring is coming. If I just believed in a world of winter, why would I bother to forgive people? Why would I bother to live generously? Why would I bother to live sacrificially? Why would I just try and hoard as much as I could? If I believed winter would never be over, that's the way I choose to live. But if I'm living as if the future is really arriving and has begun, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then it changes the way I live. It changes the way I act. I forgive someone because ultimately I know 
all things will be reconciled in Christ. I choose to live generously and compassionately because I'm heading towards a father whose character is one of generosity and compassion. As I choose to live this way, live a life of faith, I begin to move into the promised future. I move into what I'm hoping for, the evidence and the substance of what has been promised. As we take off the old self and we put on the new, we're moving into the future that Jesus said would come. You and I are heading towards a wholeness and a fullness that God promised. And this is what it means to live by faith. It means that we recognise the snowdrop, first of all, of Jesus' death and resurrection, and then the future snowdrops of when we've stepped out in faith and we've met God, and the substance of what he said begins to take on greater form in our own lives. Think about your life for a second. Is there something you do in your life that only makes sense if Jesus is coming back, if spring is coming? I hope there's at least one thing that makes only sense if you're looking towards a future that's held in the hands of God. And if you don't have that today, maybe say, God, I'd like a form of expression in my own life of that. As I try and live out in faith, I'd like something that you call me to do or to experience that only makes sense if spring is coming. If you struggle with doubts or questions about the Christian faith, that's absolutely okay, that's fine. It's great to think about and look at the evidence for the Christian faith and for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I encourage you to really not just to leave your doubts and thoughts hanging, and I really encourage you to engage your mind and to really probe and test the truth and the facts of the gospel. Is there a snowdrop for you to discover today. Let's finish by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the fact of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the eyewitness accounts that are recorded here in our Bibles. We thank you the Apostle Paul would point to all these people that could say, I saw and met the risen Jesus. So Lord, as we think about a life of faith, as we look at faith over these next few weeks, God, we want to start and launch ourselves out from the fact that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for us. We want to start out and launch ourselves from that fact. And as we venture out and increase in our life of faith, God, would you meet us there, we pray. And for those who are questioning and those who are seeking more substance, God, I pray this week something would happen to really cement and encourage a snowdrop God would appear in their own lives as a sign of your love for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.